Hello and welcome to a special episode of the City SC Report Flyover Footy or Flyover Footy City SC Report podcast. My name is Steve and with me is Mr. Joe Chambers. Hey. Hey, Joe. And joining us on this episode is Michael Hafner. Hey, everyone. Our dual resident, Matt Baker. Hey there. And Santiago from Flyover Footy. Hello. And Jake from Flyover Footy. Hey. Guys, welcome. A nice packed room here today. I like it. Oh, and uh, in the audience is uh, Mr. Ryan Pulliam from uh, St. Louis Stars. So if you're joining us on the Flyover Footy podcast and wondering what is going on here, we are attempting our first dual podcast. Phil wasn't able to join us from Flyover Footy, but as I said, Baker, Santiago, and Jake are here. Both of our groups have been talking about this for quite some time and decided to use the MLS expansion draft as the best excuse to pull the trigger, if you will. And here we are. So if this all goes well, you'll be hearing more of these dual podcasts as time goes by. Well, let's begin. It's been a very busy week for City, so I'll go through the timeline for this past week really quick, and then we'll discuss these players and the trades and what they might mean for City, and then we'll jump into the expansion draft. So first up was Monday, November 7th. Through the morning and early afternoon, the rumors were swirling, and then the official word came from the club that they had acquired 21-year-old attacking midfielder Azeel Jackson from Minnesota United, and shortly after, 26-year-old winger Jared Stroud from Austin FC. Let's get some takes on these guys from you guys. Baker? Overall, pretty happy with it. Um, Azeel Jackson, I think we're all familiar with him watching City 2 play. Uh, he He's from Minnesota United 2, um, originally from the Red Bull system, so there's a lot of familiarity there as well. I think he is one of the stars that we saw from MLS Next Pro. He's quick. He has a lot of pace. He can get behind players. Uh, he, he's going to be a force in our attacking midfield, and I think he'll slot in for our senior team pretty well. Uh, he was the one that I saw a lot of Minnesota fans online that day who were frustrated at their front office for letting him go, thought this was the guy that they were going to develop and thought that he had a real future there. So that makes me very happy to know that their fans are not happy to lose him. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, Lutz told a story last night um, during the expansion draft where he said you, how Minnesota fans should be uh, disappointed and upset that they let him go. And uh, he said, and in return, I just say thank you very much. Yeah, he's a player with great potential. As Matt said, we saw it when Minnesota played St. Louis City 2. Here in St. Louis, Minnesota won 4 to nothing, and he was one of the stars of the game, and he made the best 11 in MLS Pro, so great pickup by the team. Some of us were at the MLS Expansion Draft watch party last night, and Lutz had high praise for both. There's been some questions about Stroud from the fans, but Lutz said he was quick, aggressive, and fit in well with the city style of play which most of us guess would be his thinking, so makes sense. And honestly, I think the, the reason that there seems to be a little more excitement over Jackson than Stroud is the unknown compared to the known. So you've got a player in Stroud who, yeah, he can play any midfield position. He's been around, he has experience with an expansion side with Austin FC for a couple of years. But with Jackson, it's more, we, we have the potential, we have the excitement. And Stroud is, you've seen him play, he hasn't produced a whole lot, even though he's been a valuable contributor, I think 20, 20 games he started at over two years. Um, so seeing how he slots in, I think, is going to be interesting to me. And I think one of the concerns with Stroud is that he didn't have much activity this year. He didn't play much. So I think that's always a concern when you bring a player that hasn't had 
many games under their belt that last season. For sure. Yeah, I think, too, the, the fact that both of them come from the Red Bull Academy, and he, we've seen this now a couple of times with different players, and, um, you know, having Carnell have an eye on him from the very beginning, you know, you, you know that he clearly saw something in both those players pretty early on, and so uh, I, I think that's promising at the very least. Well, and both players have been rumored for a while, too, so you know the deals have been in place for quite a while, and it, it definitely helps from a roster build perspective that both of their salaries are comparatively pretty low. You assume both are going to slide into the senior roster, and I think that adds to the flexibility that uh, Bradley and Luce are going to have um, while obviously closing the deal on someone that they've had their eye on for quite a while. All right, so next up was Tuesday, November 8th, and the first bit of news that hit us was that we had signed Rasmus Alm on a free from IF Elfsborg. The 27-year-old Swedish winger had also long been rumored, but the club had to wait until the Alsvenskan League wrapped up November 6th to make it official. A few hours later, we got news that our first official trade had taken place, sending 100k in general allocation money, GAM as we will refer to it from here on, because that's a mouthful. Uh, to Montreal for our ninth international spot. Then maybe an hour later, word that we had made another GAM trade with Nashville, this time for 200000 for international spot number 10. Now we had two new international spots to spend and only had to dish out 300000 for them combined. And this is where multiple people online rushed to make the joke that now you know we're really in MLS as soon as you're trading GAM for an international roster spot and that that is your move for the day. That's it's the most MLS thing you could possibly do. I'd been waiting for this for years, I'll be honest. I To see St. Louis in the, the crazy mix of trading general allocation money, uh, talking about international slots, uh, this is the silly season. This is This is the time of my life that I've been looking forward to. I mean, people who are roster nerds and want to be like really looking at the details of it, this is definitely when you, when all that heats up. I think most people's heads just kind of swim. Picture the meme with all of the equations floating through the air uh, <clears throat> as all of this goes on. But in the end, it's a good thing. We're getting international roster spots, which is actually really important. On our, on our Facebook page, we had so many comments from newer fans of what... I answered one of them, and then there were just so many. I, I just had to let it go. I was like, I can't just go through. I probably should, but I just couldn't do it anymore. I was like, see above type of thing. Yeah, we, we know that there are previous uh, podcast episodes that they can listen to with uh, you guys breaking all of that down in detail, right? Professor Matt Baker. Yes. <laughs> Shout out to the Flavor Footy MLS 201. Yes. But but it's it's good and it's bad because it's it's fun in the sense that you know we're nerds about it and we 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 look to understand it a little better. But it is a barrier of entry to the league. It's barrier of entry to the team in a little bit. Where I took note throughout this process that the the radio coverage, the TV coverage not necessarily there to where I would I would hope that it would be. And I wonder if that's par partially because the audiences and even the producers, they're not really sure how to leverage it. You know, you can just report what happens, but then you're not able to give context um, quite yet on why it's important, what it means in a, in a really like bite-sized dose. Like you're not able to give that quick hit uh, in the same way that you'd be able to just report on a Nolan Arenado five-year, $70 million a year deal. Yeah, I mean, the, the local sports people have, if we've managed to figure out things like it, 
franchise tags in the NFL. They can figure this out too, but it it, it does take a while to get used to the rules. I'll just say one thing though, um, because I don't dive into it as far as Baker does, but I obviously understand the importance of it. But it's like a math equation. It's A plus B equals C. We all know A. B, A, the player and how it happened. B would be Gam or Tam or Sam. I made that up. <laughs> and then D, uh, C is the, the ultimate outcome. Most of us don't, in this case, don't care about B. We just want to know A and C. Every sport has its own nonsense like this. When you picture Major League Baseball figuring out how many games you can play a rookie this year because you want to delay his first year of free agent eligibility and some of the nonsense that goes into that. I mean, it. it every sport has some of this. MLS is, is just its own weird animal. I think there's an institutional assumption there where Major League Baseball is a perfect example, where you have a 40-man roster, you have a 25-man roster, you can send people up and down at certain times, but in September, magically, everybody's available to play. Like, it, if, you in, if you implemented that now, it would be equally as weird as a lot of these MLS roster rules. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, just, we've phased it in over decades of, you mm -hmm. know, free agency, and then... It, eligibility rosters and then all of this so yeah come back to all of us 40 years from now and we will all understand it just as much god help us if this system's still in play 40 years from oh now. my god um, so what do you guys think of rasmus alm i think we have our right winger i, I mean, obviously haven't really watched him play i don't watch enough swedish soccer to to know what? <laughs> i mean you, you definitely Odd man. have you kind of have a stacked right wing at the moment like you have alm you have stroud you have vasilov which we'll get to in a little bit like it's it, that is one of the positions along with our center backs. We're we're pretty center back heavy at the moment, um, which again we'll get to in a little bit here uh, when we talk about the expansion draft. But the right wing is another position right now where we're looking pretty pretty good. We're pretty in terms of depth. My thought on that is I had the complete opposite perspective. And oh. we'll talk about that when okay. we get to right. the rest right. of the roster. But this speaks to the flexibility of our midfield that I, yeah. I'm going to mention probably 12 times in the show because I have our left wing stacked. Okay. I, I think Stroud uh, as well as Vaslov and um, uh, there's, there's one other guy who they stack up on the left side. Uh, Jensen. Yeah, Jensen. yeah. All right. So Wednesday, November 9th was a quiet day. We, uh, as far as we know anyway. Uh, then comes Thursday, November 10th, and we see that City sends 100000 to the Sounders in GAM for yet another international spot, our third open slot, and the expansion draft unprotected, unprotected list came out, and everyone went crazy over some of these names. I went crazy over all the wrong names, though. <laughs> <laughs> didn't I think most of us did. I just didn't know how to make sense of the list at first. It's not that you don't know the players, but the fact that the list is just the list of names. Yeah, right? we don't you, know the inside. You, we don't know who's a free agent. Exactly. You've got the free agents who you're yeah. not going to take because you're going to have to. They're going to do what they want afterwards. You don't have like an inherent like first call to them. Uh, you also have players who are on loan elsewhere, and they or, or they are signed elsewhere, and they're on loan back to MLS, which we actually took advantage of one of those. Mm -hmm. But and and then ages and contracts, I mean, contracts, yeah, DP positions. There's there's just so much from that initial list. It's almost like raw data that you don't know what to do with until somebody refines it a little bit. Yeah, and not only that, but like even includes retired players. Mm -hmm. Like, um, yeah, I think the MLS could do a better job with that list, to be honest. They don't make it easy. No. Thankfully, we have guys like Tom Bogert who yeah. make it easy for us. 
And then Friday was the day, and naturally the discussions continued on all the social media platforms and in private messages, our dual chat included. The who's, why's, and what's were flying. And before you know it, it was time. Lutz was in the Ultra Club and on air while announcing the picks. It was being broadcast on YouTube and through the City app and on the screens in the Stadium Pub. So let's go through this list in order and discuss who these guys are and why they were good picks, or unless you disagree otherwise, that's fine too. The very first pick in St. Louis City SC's history was Nicholas Joaquina, or Nico as he's known. He was a he's a Kansas City kid, so sorta of, kinda of local-ish. The 22-year-old forward was left unprotected by Orlando City, and according to Lutz was an obvious pick. They loved his potential, the fact that he has European experience and eight caps with the US men's national team. Exciting, quick, talented. I thought it was a great pick. I agree. Great pick, but um, a little bit of concern because he didn't play much for Orlando City this year. But maybe the change in the scenery, being closer to Kansas City, closer to home, being with a new team, uh, maybe things will change for him and he will pick up where he left off. And he has experience with the U.S. men national team, so great pickup. The only disappointing thing that uh, we were talking about um, earlier today is that he's, he's not under that U22 initiative just because Orlando didn't sign him for that. Yeah, I know that uh, Lutz spoke a little bit about how he felt that Orlando wasn't using him properly. So um, you get a little bit of that. But yeah, I definitely understand your concerns in terms of you want you want to make sure you you don't pick up somebody that is kind of rusty or, you know, that is snake bitten that it's like, OK, like, are they, are they going to be able to adjust quickly? Because, you know, February is going to be here before you know it. Well, it's a position we're thin at, too. He's a forward, right? And that's mm-hmm. not, that's one place on the field where we did, we came in really thin. I, I think I think everything lines up with what Lutz really wanted to bring in. Um, and, and he said as much last night that he was shocked that um, Nico was left unprotected. And the fact that you get a 21-year-old with national team experience on the youth side and you're able to bring him in uh, on more or less a free transfer, like that's what the expansion draft is, it's free transfer. Um, I, I think that provides the type of depth, it provides the type of youth and quickness that Lutz has been looking for in the attack. Coming as uh, someone who is very over, felt overloaded with the list and just like like you said, like <laughs> there's too much going on here and I don't really know anything. A lot of these players like I don't even recognize because I clearly haven't been following the MLS enough as I should have been the last couple of years. So coming into this kind of like blind almost, like not really knowing what we're going to take and seeing him as the first pick, like that's a guy I recognize. That's a guy who I, I've seen do good things with the U.S. men's national team. Very exciting pick. And there's, like you said, so much upside, especially if Lutz feels like he can, he knows how to use him better than Orlando City was. And he's so young and there's so much upside. It's a really exciting signing. When I think, too, I, you know, you start to get nervous because we were signing so many, you know, attacking mids or defenders. And it's like, who's going to be up there with Klaus? We can't just have him up there, you know, cherry picking in the box. Like, we need somebody to help him out and, you know, get out uh, on the side of him or behind and, you know, sort of assist with the attack. So, uh, yeah, definitely exciting. Yeah, but that said, even with him and Klaus, these are... It, it's a couple of upside, but not yet proven kind of quantities at forward. Like, I don't think either of them are 
proven, consistent goal scorer, you know, guys who've been out there every week putting things in the back of the net. I I hope that this one works out really well. Yeah, I do hope that Lutz knows how to use him right, but it's a lot of up potential upside. Not sure if we're going to be seeing a lot of goals from day one if we, you know, if everything doesn't gel very quickly here. So we'll we'll see. But if he picks up his level and starts playing well and scoring goals, a couple of years on the road, City could benefit from a potential sale. Definitely. He's very young. So it's, I, I do think it's a good signing. I think this is a good pickup. I just don't know that he's going to be lighting the world on fire from day one at forward, you know, as, as a young guy. I would like to ease him into it a little, little bit more. Yeah, and, and I agree. I agree with you. And I think uh, even with him, City, and we're probably going to talk a little bit more about this later, but we still need another number nine. I Definitely. Think. Well, that's one of the great things, too, about him, though, is the flexibility with he can, he can be that nine, he can be that right winger. Um, he provides the the insurance almost for Klaus, but also he'll, he could challenge Alm out on the right side. So as much as we think that the internationals are going to just slot in there as starters, um, he if, if the speed and the quickness work out on the wing as we think they could, as we want them to, there's no reason to think that he won't slot in on the right wing there from day one. I think that's intriguing. I think that's a more intriguing option to me to see him be that flexible position than to assume that he just slots in it forward, which is what he's listed as on the roster. And going back to his unproven uh, play at Orlando City, that's one of the things I, I saw as a complaint from a lot of the fans, uh, especially the, the mainland.com, their fan-based media site. They they were saying it, they didn't even have a really a chance. Like they never gave him a chance. He didn't even play until the end of July last season, or the, yeah, this past season. So they had no idea what they missed out on. And yet here he is. He goes out for the U.S. Men's National Team and what scores three, three goals. Yeah. No, fun, I mean the funny thing is about him is uh, when holistically we'll talk about the other guys, but you look at uh, the dollar amount, like what we're, what we're paying for him. It it tells me that. Um, as much as Lutz and Bradley were looking for value in a lot of our other spots, like when we talk about making a splash and trying to find somebody from a high dollar perspective, uh, this was the only player taken in the draft who is anywhere near the, the dollar range of what he's making. He's, he's up there around like 350000 a year, three, 370 where the other guys are significantly lower and, you know, con considering Parker didn't get drafted to be fair. But, mm -hmm. you know, he's the only guy who isn't, to me, a, a more or less depth or uh, youth that can be developed. Like, Lutz is, for that price, it's telling me that Lutz thinks he's there. He just needs to be in the right system to be taken advantage of. Do you think we're going to use some GAM? And I know we're going to talk a little bit more about that later, but do you think we're going to use some GAM for uh, his salary? I would definitely say yes. Okay. All right, moving along. The second pick was... Indiana Vasilev. Did I pronounce that right? Vasilev? Vasilev? Vasilev. If you're the uh, sports commentator during the one match uh, that I watched a replay of, it's Indiana Jones. Indiana so, Jones. Uh, you know, we can call him. Ah, uh, yes. I've heard of this guy. Yeah. Can we just call him Indy? <laughs> Indiana Vasilev is a great athlete name, though. Come on, that is an awesome name. It Indiana sounds like Vasilev. an Olympian name. It does. I, I, I don't know much about his play, but I, I like the name. Yeah, there was a match that I uh, rewatched uh, the the goal, the game-winning goal that he got against Nashville, and it was a cross into the box. He snuck in behind a defender, got a, his head on it, 
and it was like in stoppage time. And the sports commentator over the, over air called him Indiana Jones, and I'm like, oh gosh, like that's just going to be stuck in my head now. Well, if he proves to be a really good player, maybe he'll be okay with that nickname. Who's going to be the first uh, journalist in St. Louis to make that corny joke in their article or on air? I think we just did, right? Oh, that's we're, fair. We're yeah. journalists. I, we're making it ironically. I really expect the local news <laughs> yes. guys to make that and think that it's clever. Yes, that that's an important difference. Clever or just like a really easy cop out is my guess on the goal. He's like, I he like reads it. It's like I can't pronounce yeah, yeah. it. Jones, cool, yeah. I will probably do that on this Spanish broadcast. <laughs> yes. I like it. So anyway, Doctor Jones is a midfield winger from Inter Miami, where he has been on loan from Aston Villa. Uh, he's another young guy, turns 22 in February. Was a Aston Villa academy product, a U.S. youth national team player. Uh, under Hackworth, in fact, with the U-17 squad. So besides how City is going to be able to deal with Aston Villa for his rights, what can you guys tell us about him? Well, it sounds like they're just bringing in guys they know and they didn't do any scouting, obviously. <laughs> and well, An absurd thing that I've heard people say, well, it's bringing people in from Europe. Yeah. and It's just guys he knows. He's not actually scouting anywhere. No. But I, I, the think, way it works. I think um, coming from Aston Villa is, is kind of uh, has a, a double-edged sword. Uh, it's fantastic in the sense that he's getting you know, world-class training. He's going up against uh, U23s that are you know, world-class in that age division. Um, but it also has the, the negative side of we don't have confirmation yet that w he'll actually be here in the spring to play. So right. he's on loan to Inter-Miami. This is the example that we talked about earlier of guys on the list who come with their own pitfalls they are technically unprotected, but you know, Inter Miami only really holds his rights. He's on loan to them. His so, loan expires. His loan expires right. this year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the the question is: Is he going to come back on loan, or is Lutz going to try and negotiate uh, a transfer for him? I heard online that they were they seemed very confident that they would get a transfer, but I don't know what is inspiring that or if that's just the team talking to the media and trying to sound like they've got this sewn up. I, I don't know where the, the the behind the scenes end of that is. Well, the the latter was definitely said last night. So uh, Lutz and Bradley made themselves available to the fans to talk and, and we got to ask them a few questions. And that was one of the questions I asked is, you know, Vaslov, what are the odds that we are, are we going to try alone? Are we going to try and just get him on a permanent and it was a pretty confident answer of we he feels that we can get him if not on free then he'll be ours in the spring so i, I there's confidence there uh so far i don't have any reason to doubt what they're confident in that they're able to uh, attain so yeah i i look to and almost expect based on conversations that vasilev will be in city red next spring it almost doesn't bode well that they just got a new coach so there could be some interest in, I mean, you could look at it both ways, like, oh, man, I haven't used this guy, so, but maybe things are okay and he can just stay down there. Or, I don't know, I don't want to be, That's like, fair. super negative, but with a new coach, he might want to look at all his options. You, so You get a more of a reevaluation of your entire squad as opposed to uh, an existing coach who you're on the outs already, so you assume it's going to stay that way. Do you know where he's at now? Like, is, would he be going back to Aston Villa right now in this time frame? I think the loan expires at the end of the calendar year, so if he's not already back training with them, uh, he, he will be soon. Yeah, it'd be interesting. That's the only player that didn't record a video. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Oh, really? No. I blame Aston Villa, not the player. <laughs> I have no reason to say otherwise other than I just... Right, yeah, it's probably, it's probably that. 
That's a good point. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, you definitely worry if a player is going to get stretched thin and, and get exhausted from bouncing back and forth, you know, on loan from like one team to another. And so that's obviously, you know, a concern. But again, I, you know, you sort of trust in Lutz uh, is sort of like the, the motto I kind of say in my head. And um, he's... He's certainly, you know, proven himself, but also, I, you know, he's worked this out. And I think he's got really good relationships with clubs, of, as we've heard, abroad. So, you know, fingers crossed everything ends up working out well with this. And I think the club always does a lot of things behind the scenes. So it's possible that they have already started these conversations with Aston Villa. And it's just a matter of finishing up the deals. But I don't think they will have gone out of the blue picking him without knowing what his situation was and having some conversations um, before picking him. With the amount of phone calls that Lutz yielded, I mean, he, his extra time interview said, you know, 12 in a span of an hour or something like that. But we know he's been on the phone nonstop. It would be, I would, it's hard to believe that he wouldn't have talked to Aston Villa if he's that confident that they can select him and then work something out. It just, that's not a stone he would have left unturned. It would be interesting to see, um, throughout expansion list history how often a if it's happened at all where there is a pick and it just totally falls apart and you end up without that player yeah oh, oh recent history with Austin joe Netflix. corona joe corona oh, exactly oh that, that yeah, yeah yeah that's right <laughs> with uh with our new partners the houston dynamo they selected him and then that's houston right. just took him up in the re-entry draft and all of a sudden a week later he wasn't austin's and they wasted a pick yeah, if, if something like that happens to us, I think we're going to be <laughs> rethinking some of these picks. But let's let's hope that we're not having to have that conversation on the next episode, that we're excitedly talking about how easy and smooth the, uh, the transfer process went. Well, and th this is the only player who there's any question about, too. So, mm -hmm. and hopefully, you know, we may not get the full answer until the spring where, you know, it's, it's left open. But um, I, the confidence seems to be there, whereas it's not an opportunity that he can be taken by another team or that he would sign with another team because he's out of contract. So at least there's that. Do we know how long he's under contract with Villa for? That's like, what I was actually trying to look up if, some more information on all I that. Don't if they don't listed that, well, at least when I check, because if they don't transfer him in the next transfer window, is he just going to come just, free? Yeah. They just list his loan with uh, yeah. Inter Miami. Yeah. It doesn't say when his contract expires. Yeah. Because then I wonder, I mean, it, what is the rule for MLS on how long you have the rights to a player after something like an expansion draft? Is that a just for from now until the beginning of next season? Is that oh, until, you know, what, what if he doesn't come free for a year? What if something happened? Do we still have his rights? Yeah, he, he's ours in MLS. So, so if he comes to MLS... Mm -hmm. He has to either come to us or somebody has to buy him. Exactly. That's where like the weird uh, coming to MLS as a single entity comes into play, mm -hmm. where if he wants to come back in MLS, like let's say Miami wants to take him on loan or Red Bulls or something like that, before they can acquire him, they have to pay us for his rights in MLS. And that, that doesn't expire after the year. That's just until he were to like retire or become available in another like reentry type mechanism. Let's hope we don't have to worry about it. Okay, so pick number three came, and we saw Mr. Jonathan Bell. John Bell, a 25-year-old central defender from the New England Revolution, picked. Uh, from what I hear, this is a real solid pick. Two seasons as the Revs 
backup center back, number three center back, if you will. And from what I hear, the Revs fans are not happy about this. Comically not happy about this. <laughs> there, so there's apparently a hashtag that they... <laughs> Sorry, choking on my beer. <laughs> There's apparently a hashtag that New England had. Uh, hashtag announced John Bell. And I assume it's for a, a contract or they wanted him to sign. Didn't look too far into it because uh, the only reason I knew about it was a video that our friends over at the Soccer Capital podcast posted from a fan who, after we selected John Bell, was distraught walking through, I guess, the streets of Boston doing some kind of Instagram live just absolutely in shambles that we had taken John Bell. I couldn't tell if it was sarcastic or I, I honestly... I, I thought it was too at first because that th didn't seem real. There's no way. <laughs> but let's assume for a second that if there was a hashtag announced John Bell that fans had gotten up and running, that this could be legit and that we are actually taking a meaningful person to their organization to the point where somebody would do that. Well, they just have a logjam at the position, don't they? Like, isn't it a they, matter of they left him open not because they don't want him, but because they they have options there? Yes. But he so. was their their you know their backup CB, if you will, and like the other two guys are aging. Uh, Andrew Farrell's thirty years old; he'll turn thirty-one next year. Um, who's the other defender? And he started ten games. It's not like we're taking like a backup without experience. Like, yeah, he he got some minutes in MLS. You know, his the interesting thing with him, though, um, uh, objectively speaking, is that there's a rule for this expansion draft where if a player is on another team's supplemental roster, meaning he's making a lower dollar amount, he's not counting against the salary cap, he can still start play any game. There's no difference in game time. But if he's on the supplemental roster and we select him, he has to be on our senior roster. So oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So last year, Bell was making uh, that reserve minimum at that point. But reserve minimum or no, he now is slotted in on our senior roster, and we he's locked in. That's that's just a rule. What's the uh, and I want to ask you this offline. What's the minimum for the senior roster? Eighty-four thousand. Eighty-four thousand. Oh, duh! Yeah. It was Omar Gonzalez, so obviously he's no young spring chicken either. No, but that's what he was making, so it would yeah. not be. So it's just applied to the salary yeah, cap now. It's, it's not just a it's supplemental just, free hit. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I have him slotting in as a. Uh, as depth as a backup Absolutely. to Joachim Nilsson. Yeah. Um, so that speaks to me to a lot of the purposes behind some of our picks. So, so we've talked about Nico, we've talked about Vasilev. Now we're getting into uh, a couple guys who I do view as depth, but right behind Joachim Nilsson, uh, he's a left-footed center back, so he slots perfectly in on that left side. Um, and, and he has that experience, I think, for for what it's costing us, like the opposite perspective of, of he's on our senior roster is now he's a very cheap player on our senior roster who has the experience to do basically what he was doing for New England for us. Did you say you've got him as your left center back or left back? Left center back. Okay, yeah, because I've got yep. him in in there as well. Yeah, it, our again our center backs that seems like the 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 spot that we've got the biggest. Oh yeah, we're set on with that. Bell we Yarrow. You know, completely Hebert. locked down. Like it's I think. <laughs> I, yeah, you would, I would think, think so. having five, but we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, pick number four came along. It was John Nelson, another defender, a left back. Speaking of uh, depth from FC Cincinnati, 24-year-old. Um, I think it's always good to have that healthy competition for a position, mm -hmm. even if you think, okay, Peter will be a starter. Yeah. But uh, it's always good to have somebody behind him. Like 
fighting for minutes and telling him, hey, 100%. you got to perform, otherwise yeah. uh, we're going to put this other guy. So I like that. And uh, Lutz had all the right buzzwords when it came to Nelson, the high energy, good mentality, hardworking, blue collar, Midwestern type guy. I mean, he was like the very hardworking, um, you know, he'll put in the effort on the, the left side. And I think the thing to keep in mind when we're talking about sliding in as a starter, sliding in as a backup is the fixture congestion for MLS teams next year is going to be outrageous. So starting the season at the beginning of March, you have MLS, you have the U.S. Open Cup, you have Leagues Cup, you have an expanded playoffs if you make it that far, likely expanded playoffs. So, I mean, you're going to need all these guys to play meaningful minutes a lot more than you have in the past. That's a great point. Well, because you're hoping for wins and advancing in the Open Cup and maybe in the Leagues Cup where what is the now it's a guarantee of how many games is that everybody plays? Twice. Twice. For least Cup. For least Cup, cup twice, yeah. yeah. Everyone plays twice, but At then least, yeah. you're hoping for do well in that and get additional games in there as well. So as a fan, I'm a fan of a, a fixture congestion. That's all right. That means more good, more soccer to watch as long as your roster is deep mm -hmm. enough. Well, and Nelson is another one of those guys making at the time last year he was making below the senior roster minimum. So his salary will at, at least get bumped up to that 84,000 for next year. So an, an additional player that you assume would be pushing for a starting spot at, at the most, um, but providing some quality MLS experience depth for the absolute lowest cost you could have at that roster slot. So he's, he has to be on the senior roster now. Yeah, right? he was on the supplemental last year for Cincinnati and expansion draft rules. He'll be on our senior roster. All right, pick number five came along, and it was Jake LaCava, a 21-year-old forward from the New York Red Bulls, who we almost immediately announced that we had flipped to enter Miami for 150 k in GAM and up to 100 k in GAM if he meets certain performance-based metrics. Jake, we hardly knew you. We're going to miss him. Yes. That'll be a fun trivia piece. As the uh, <laughs> first guy we've traded, actual player we've traded away, right? Baker, did you actually tweet out uh, that we signed him before they they flipped him? I was curious who who was first. I, I was I was too busy figuring out why we would have drafted him. He was okay. one of the and, and throughout the draft, I was thinking, all right, I'm going to try to figure out who we're going to draft and flip and who would not. So I, he was a guy who uh, and at that point I was probably a few drinks in, <laughs> but I was trying to figure out why would we haven't taken him and he just didn't make sense to me. And then it was almost immediately they put up that graphic of the two moves we made. So. So the uh, spotlight almost for me shifted entirely from Lacava and what we were doing with him to that other move that we made after the draft. Yeah, if you were fooled for the like 30 seconds he was on our team, I thought it was interesting that uh, the commentators they like kind of alluded to it's like oh he's a Red Bull guy so there's that connection and then and then they basically like cut to that, that little break like Lutz didn't say anything like had <laughs> nothing to say about him because we knew he was quick, quickly flipping but interesting yeah. Sure, and then the big announcement, one that I was certainly pleased with. I think others were too. City traded 500k in GAM to Houston for 29-year-old veteran central defender and Carnell guy, Tim Parker. I'm sure not everyone was pleased with this, especially considering the gaps we have remaining, as this now gives us five central defenders, and as far as defenders go, still no right back. Still pretty good. Great veteran. What do you guys think about this trade? I mean... You have Lutz talking all the time about speed and youth, and now you have experience, and Parker brings that experience with MLS. 
Um, so those three words, I think, are integral to the makeup of our team. And I think Parker is, you know, just brings that experience. But beyond that, you know, he can kind of help guide some of these younger players. And Good so to have leadership. You need yeah. to have that. Um, I think Yaro also brings that, as we saw mm-hmm. with City 2 this past year. Um, and I think Parker is going to, you know, possibly serve as that captain role that Yaro did. But um, at the very least, be that sort of mentor for some of the younger kids that we're bringing in. I think it's also good that, assuming you play with two center backs, if you have uh, Parker and uh, Nilsson, it's good that one of them has that MLS experience. Mm-hmm. He was also part of the Red Bull system a few years ago. Carnell is familiar with him. So it's good that you one of your two center backs has that experience. And um, yeah, he could serve that role of captain. Even if he's not the, the captain, he will bring leadership and will help um, some of the younger guys get acclimated and mentor them. So I like the pick. Yeah, and I know we talk about the Red Bulls organization a lot, and it's not like we're just taking old Red Bull players. It's the fact that uh, that's the system that you can point to most clearly because the Bradley Carnell connection to players who are used to the style that we're going to play. So Lutz, before the draft, was very keen on saying, we're not going to take necessarily the best player available. We're going to take the best player who fits our position and checks all of these metrics that we're looking at, like a a young player who we can develop. We don't want any 35, 36-year-old players. They're not going to serve a purpose for us. They're not going to be able to handle our system, and they're not going to give us what we need. Uh, Parker has that experience. He, the reason that he had the huge contract with Houston Dynamo is because of his performance right alongside Aaron Long with New York. And that's the system, that's the Tim Parker that we expect to come to St. Louis City. So the idea that we were able to get him the way we did, which uh, I'll talk about in just a minute, is, is exciting. And that, to me, is uh, just as much alongside Nico. This is the pick of the draft. This is the pickup of draft night. Yeah, this is the bigger one. <clears throat> But what I'd heard going into this of why you don't want to is because of what you were just saying. He was on a big contract. This is why this is a complicated thing. Yep. And before the draft, I I had heard people say, oh, this is a it's a great guy, unprotected. There's no way they want to be paying the million dollars they're going to owe him next year. He's not worth that. Uh, and then immediately after the draft, people saying, well, wait a minute. Wasn't he left unprotected? Why do you? Why didn't you pick him up? Why are you taking him later when you got to pay? But this is where we get the complicated money changing hands to to make this make way more sense, right? Yeah, Baker, do you want to explain that a little bit really quick? How that uh, how that was handled? What what deal was made? Oh yeah. Flutes? So the so if we had drafted Parker and and we asked we had had the opportunity to ask uh, Bradley Carnell and Lutz this last night about had they had Parker on their mind the entire time? What are their thoughts on? Uh, drafting him versus trading him uh what what was the reasoning behind it and was he ever uh, in doubt and it's basically what we thought of it's too expensive as it was and so when you select the player in the draft you're you're basically taking the player on their contract or you have to renegotiate the contract you can renegotiate but there's no way the player is going to negotiate significantly less so you can expect to pay similar to what he's making which was last year one point uh one one so that's what Tim Parker was making last year. Significantly higher than we were willing to pay. So the deal we made with the Houston Dynamo was for the next two years, we paid them $250,000 in GAM each year, this year and next, in 23 and $24. And then they are going to eat 425000 of his salary each of the next two years. 
So we get him at a significant discount, and we just have to provide GAM as compensation. We pay them fake money. They pay him real money. <laughs> so in the end, we pay him less real money. Right? And, we, and we still have plenty of fake money to offset the real money that we're going to be we're paying. We're talking about him. Monopoly money, right? Or is this Cole's I mean, cash? Garber what box. are we? Garber box. Cole's cash okay, is Garber too valuable. <laughs> you don't throw away Cole's yeah, cash. Around, right? the, holidays, around, around is... the holidays, that's just, no. Yeah, it's gold. As a Steve will call him Sam. Sam, Sam money. That's Sam money, man. But uh, no, uh, now seriously, uh, I think Pay that was... Parker allocation money. <laughs> I think that was a great deal that uh, Lutz and Carnell made. They took advantage of a Houston team that is rebuilding. And obviously they didn't want to take a $1 million hit on their salary cap. So I think they took advantage of that. It, and it's something that worked. It's going to work out for both teams. So yeah, a, I like a, that. A lot of bitter Houston fans. I went through every team's <clears throat> list, uh, a social media site, and, and followed their fans just to see what they were saying about all this. They were, <laughs> let's just say they were a little disappointed by last season's uh, end result. And so it was a good majority of their their fans just it was like one of those just kill it all attitude like who cares just scrap it scrap everybody just just get them out of here which like, is good. good for teams like us though <laughs> if you can get somebody coming that's off of a funny. rebuild when they're trying to let people go and they want to it, it's not even a bad deal for them it, yeah. it actually is good in the long run if they are trying to rebuild to to let him go but it, he's definitely the signing of ours that I'm most happy with I, I think he'll fit in great yeah, Lutz, on a couple of different occasions now, we've heard him talk about the importance of having like a strong spine to the team. And it was something that he reiterated last night as well, where, you know, the spine in terms of like the central core of the field, if you will. So, you know, you start from Berkey going down to, you know, uh, like a Nielsen to now we've got uh, Parker to going down to Lowen and Olstruck to Klaus. So you've got this whole central strong core that the team can kind of build off of. Um, and so I think he kind of helps complete that core um, back there with Nielsen. So, And that's a great point because that good center backs will keep you in games. Good center backs will make you competitive week after week. You, it's one of those, I mean, look at, look at the U.S. men's national team, how much we've struggled to try to find some consistency at center back at the national team level and how many games the U.S. has lost. And that's where you can point the finger that you say, like, what are they doing back there? Why does the back line look like it does if you have the right guys, especially veteran guys like Parker, people who've been around that? That's not you can't throw two 21 year olds out there at center back. That's not a winning solution. So you need veteran people who actually see the field well, who can command it from back there. And, and it does. It makes a massive difference. Central midfield, though, is where I think we're still lacking. Yeah. So if we're building that spine, I, I feel good about us as a goalkeeper. We'll see on the depth, but there's a lot of guys out there we can get for depth guys at goal. I think we're now we look great at central back. I, if anything, our center back position is stacked. The center midfield position is thin. The spine is missing one piece. Yep. I agree with yep. you. Yep. And let's get to that. Let's look at City's roster to date. Assuming all these deals are official, we now have 17 players. Uh, I'll kind of generalize this. Uh, goalkeeper, obviously, Berkey. We need a backup. Left back, we have Pedro and Nelson. Center defense or center back, if you will, we have Yarrow, Hebert, Nilsson, Parker, and John Bell. Right back, we're missing. Midfield, we have Thomas Ostrock, Leuven, Jackson, Stroud, 
and our wingers are Jensen, Alm, Vassil, uh, Dr. Jones, sorry, and then our forwards are Jout Klaus and Nico. So still a couple holes to be plugged, uh, right, be, right back being the biggest and the central def defensive midfielder or holding midfielder, backup keeper, and some more depth at forward right back might be nice. Well, and that, and that to me was kind of where we were sitting before the expansion draft when we were looking at what are the team needs. And there were three schools of thought, really, to me, of what you'd be looking for. One was uh, that star player who can fill one of those absolute holes, the needs, which were the center defensive mid, center back, and right back. The other is cheap depth, young yep. depth that you can develop and that is more or less a low-risk add and you're, you feel comfortable that they know the system and that you can develop them properly. They're really young. And then the third would be obviously selecting someone and then flipping them for, for the game. We saw a lot of that play out in our draft, and I couldn't agree more with Joe that the center back position, the fact that we filled that with uh, with Parker that we filled him with, I think it is going to do us immensely well going into the reentry draft, going to free agency. Um, I didn't personally see a whole lot of quality options at right back. We, the only options that we looked at um, earlier on were a couple young guys, but I think free agency holds a lot more key to the right back position. And I would assume center defensive mid as well. Um, I, I think where we ended up after the expansion draft, though, provides that young quality depth. And, check, and we really did check all three of the boxes of what I was looking to accomplish in the expansion draft of signing potentially two or three starters. You've got Parker, who we are definitely sliding in at center back. Um, Vasilev, I think he could slide in as a starter. You're also looking at Nico Giochini, who could slot in as that right winger right off the bat. But then you also have the depth. So Nelson and Bell provide amazing depth at their positions uh, for very cheap on the roster. It positions us really well going into the next phases of the offseason. And that's where when you talk about young depth, trying to you know read up today to get perspectives from outside of the St. Louis bubble here. Uh, Jeff Ruder from The Athletic. That was exactly what he said. This is this is a good draft for St. Louis because it provides young depth. And he pointed out specifically that this is not what Cincinnati did in their expansion draft, not what Miami did in their expansion draft, and that they had some, uh, even Minnesota, that we were trying to avoid the mistakes that they made in theirs. Uh, my question about it is when we talk about central defensive mid, I'm not necessarily sold on our playmaking central mids either. I'm not sure that we should feel 100% confident that like offensively minded center mids, people who can actually distribute the ball well are the most rare unicorn players in the game that teams that have that guy are beautiful to watch and teams that don't have to work a lot harder. And I, we've got some guys who can play center mid, but I'm not sure that that's not still something we need to address. The number 10 position is interesting to me. Um, I think that we have we have our wings more or less set at who we feel comfortable with, but even that left wing to me is a little um, hit or miss. Uh, there's an unknown factor in like Rasmus Alm. We haven't seen him play, but we expect based on his history that he could uh, provide that 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 experienced uh, right mid or right winger. Um, we know Klaus is up top, but any combination and the fact that my list differs from steve's list differs from santiago's and michael's and jake's and everybody who has their own list of what our roster looks like i've looked at three um potential depth charts on facebook and twitter so far today mine is different from all of theirs 
And so you're looking at Vaslev, you're looking at Stroud, you're looking at Ostrak, who we know from City 2 can play on both wings, uh, Azil Jackson, Celio Pompeu, who's rumored to already have a uh, contract, uh, Giochini. Like, all of those guys can play different positions than where they're primarily or or projected to slot in. So we think of Nico Giochini as that backup number nine. We talked earlier about how he could be a right winger as well. He could start for right wing, depending on, he could push Rasmus Alm. Uh, you could be looking at Ostrock on the left side. You could be looking at Azil Jackson in the center center mid. Like there are there are options galore, and I think that's part of the fun thing. But at the same time, the quality and provenness and experience of those options, it, it's all kind of nebulous in that regard because it's not like you have a Parker level uh, experience or caliber player in any of those positions. You're talking about young guys who have played in good leagues in Europe but they haven't produced at the level that we would hope a starting position player would for us next year. Yeah, I was going to say, even with Giochini, I mean, something that um, we saw this week with the U.S. men's national team roster announcement, um, we saw Aronson being put at the midfield position where previously throughout qualifying and whatnot, uh, he was always played as a forward. So that's, a, again, an opportunity where you think you understand a, where a player is going to be and they ended up switching it up on you. So, yeah, to your point, Giochini, like even though we think of him as more potentially as a number nine, he could kind of slot in on the sides there, um, similar to what now Aronson's going to be doing. So. Well, honestly, I think of City 2 last year where I was seeing certain players play what I would consider way out of position. Um, We saw Jensen uh, up at striker who was filling in for uh, Klaus and Adaling who were were out. We saw Ostrak out on the wing. We saw Pompeu play on the right side a whole lot where his strength is on the left. So, but where where it led me to understand is that the versatility is being uh, leveraged in such a regard that it's the talent on the field that takes the priority over their most comfortable position. So for City 2, Celio Pompeu was absolutely vital to keep on the field. When Isaac Jensen came and he slotted in on that left side, or we had Vitor Diaz in the middle, Ostrak on the left, and Pompeu was out of position, he was so important that he slotted over on the right side because uh, Hackworth wanted to keep him on the field. And he performed. So when I think of where are these guys going to slot in, who's, who's best fit, the flexibility just means that at on that first match, I believe we're going to see the actual best four attackers that are going to be on our team, as opposed to who the best left mid is or who the best number 10 may be. Yeah, the team will figure that out. And um, that's something that led me to think about the right back position. Like, yeah, that's a hole right now, but couldn't that be um, a kill what? Like he... He has played that position before and he, he started that position uh last year early last year yeah he started earlier this year and uh even when he was with the u.s national team the u17 team and coached by a uh, hackward he played a uh, right back and hackward actually has said that that's his best position so he could be an option for that position but definitely um the defensive midfield position we we need somebody else there but I think uh, maybe for the right back, Akil Watts will be a good candidate to fill that position. Yeah, I think that would work. I don't think that's as hard of a position to fill as those central midfield spots are. Um, but yeah, there there are going to be young guys like that who who could be ready to go at right back. Yeah, the there's... Reason, I mean, I'm not worried about a backup goalkeeper. I know that there are guys that we can bring up as backup goalkeeper. I, I don't... 
I don't want to say, obviously we have no depth there right now, but I, I am sure we can find those guys. So I was going to add on to that. <clears throat> Man, this beer is making me stuffy, so I apologize. Uh, but add on to that in the like CDM position. I know we're like, oh, we're kind of lacking there too. We need some depth. But Schneider's already rumored to be signed to MLS. Also, let's throw out, all throughout the rumor, Akil Watts, maybe he is going to be signed or whatever. Like he can play that role too. So it's like that gives more versatility and a little more depth. Granted, they're, they were MLS Next Pro guys. So maybe that's not what we're really looking for. But if they can step up the level, then great. Because we saw him perform, like do really great things last year. So maybe that is an, an opportunity and that's kind of where we're filling some space. Ultimately, we know from conversations with Lutz and Bradley that they're taking uh, the the salary cap, the Gam and Tam into consideration. So they're they're looking for value. And if you can if you can sign one of those players with the expectation that they're playing meaningful minutes, a keel uh, at either of those positions, it gives you flexibility to spend more, to look for a higher value prospect in the other. So if you're sliding a Keel Watson as right back, maybe that frees up a whole lot more money to go after a TAM level player for your central defensive midfielder. How many guys are we talking about on the roster between now and uh a, a, you know, beginning of the season next spring. Uh, for the salary cap, uh, we're looking at either three to five players. So we have we have fifteen players signed to our senior roster or expected to be signed to our senior. I'm I'm looking at Josh Yarrow and Kyle Hebert as supplemental players. Um, our, we have a generation Adidas player that we'll pick in the super draft first round. That'll go on the supplemental. Uh, Max Schneider, Celio Pompeu, uh, if if that pans out, they'll be on the supplemental. So you have to have at least eighteen on your senior. Uh, but you can have up to 20, so three to five that will hit the salary cap. Okay, so three to five, and then Yarrow, Hebert, and whoever you're drafting is Generation Adidas are separate from that. Okay. And honestly, that that adds flexibility. Like, let's be honest, um, Generation Adidas players are cream of the crop. So that list will come out here in the next, within the next uh, probably three, three weeks or so, where... The, once the college showcase probably happens beginning of December, we can expect that uh, the list of players that MLS signs to Generation Adidas contracts will be revealed, meaning that these are underclassmen who MLS is uh, jointly paying with Adidas to leave school early because of the talent. You know, they're providing educational opportunities, they're providing guaranteed contracts, uh, but they're incentivizing leaving college early. And so year after year, Every super draft has these players at the very top of the list. So right now, when we talk about who we're taking in the super draft, it's almost a moot point until we know who the Generation Adidas players are. But we're drafting at the bottom of the list anyway, right? Super draft we get first. First pick. Oh, okay. Re-entry draft we get last. Yeah, that's next draft. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. It's yeah. hard to keep track of all these drafts. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> but so that that looks so you look at if you can hit on a Generation Adidas player, that is another meaningful slot, whether it is a a high minute backup, it's a spot starter, or even slotting in at if you really get lucky and you get a generation of DS player once in a generation that center defensive mid or right back, that could be your answer. And it doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Baker, like you pointed out, it's super important that we have a a, a real deep squad, though. And you're right, price is, a, is an important factor. Lutz reminded everyone last night that we still have three international spots open Max Schneider would fill one of those slots, correct? Yes. But would it be a smart move to fill one with a backup player? At this point, there's you can do whatever you want with them. He even he even <laughs> yeah. mentioned holding on to it in case another team needs it, oh. so we can flip it back. So at this point, we we only paid four hundred thousand total 
for three international slots. Going rate, uh, you could easily, if you ask Nashville especially, you can get seven hundred fifty thousand dollars from both of the or from all three of those slots. That's mm. what market rate is. So the fact that we only got them for four hundred thousand, we may have one in mind. We're keeping them open. He mentioned for upcoming transfer windows. So the January transfer window could provide opportunity at least to be a player in the market. So you know you can sign somebody. If you keep it into the season, you've got the secondary transfer window. So there, there's options galore that they could use those for. I will use it on Max Snyder, especially now that we have three. Maybe not thinking about next year, but if you're thinking about development, two, three years from now. Looking ahead. If, if you're thinking Max Snyder yeah. could be a player that will be in that center mid role in two to three years, I will use one of those slots for him. And the great thing about that is international slots are good for a single year. So you, but, but that doesn't mean that you all of a sudden have to scramble the, pre, the next few years. It just means that you need to get on getting guy, a guy a green card. So that, that's how this entire process works is that you're allotted eight. If you sign in that single year, additional internationals over eight, maybe you get rid of some, maybe you, you do whatever with them, but you can also convert them to domestic players by getting their green card. And that happens all the time. Charlotte last year had an insane number of international players to start the season. And then they converted at least two of them mid-season to green, have green cards. So they were converted to domestic status. And that's the thing. Um, we found out like a few weeks ago that Snyder and Celio were on MLS contracts. And uh, it is possible that Snyder, along with the seven international signings, are already in the process for getting a green card. So maybe before the roster compliance uh, deadline hits uh, or the Charlotte rule hits, yeah. uh, we will uh, hear some news about some of these green cards. We, we, that, that's a perfect uh, example of the nebulous MLS rules. In the roster rules, it states that international slots like lock at the beginning of the season. There's a roster lock date like two days before the season starts and that you have to have everything buttoned up by this point. Charlotte, however, was able to convert players mid-season and so we found out mid-season that uh, it, it's a new rule that you can convert a player to domestic and you have an available international slot during the season. So a lot of things can change, especially because we brought all of our international players in so early. MLS loves making up new rules in the middle that uh, whatever works for. I think they have a caveat somewhere that's like everything is at the discretion of MLS. And so they mm -hmm. leave themselves some wiggle room. But but honestly, with the with the international slot thing, let's go back to earlier in 2022, where we're bringing in Berkey, we're bringing in Klaus, bringing in all, Pedro, all these guys so early at, at you know July 1st at, at the latest for some of these guys. And the whole point is to start the clock so that you can you can get them going on their green card as quickly as possible. And then all of a sudden you're looking at freeing up a lot of different international slots, a lot more flexibility to sign players, to flip them for GAM. So you're, you're leaving yourself in a very good position. One other thing I'm looking at is where do we go forward in this offseason process? So we know that there are a lot of weird mechanisms in MLS, TAM and GAM, and we have a salary cap. We know we've spent a lot of money already so far on some of these players. Uh, we know for sure that some have had uh, general allocation money and, and targeted allocation money spent on them. Uh, but it, it's always been interesting to me to try to figure it out because MLS does not, and purposefully specifically doesn't make this public. Uh, they let teams have carte blanche to do uh, what they need to do in their books to make things work. And then they have to give it to the league that couple days beforehand uh, for roster compliance. If they mess up, like Inter-Miami did a few years ago, 
then they they mess up and they're punished for it. But that's that's on the team to figure out. So without any insight into the specifics, I've gone ahead and tried to figure out. Let's let's say maybe a high uh, a high salaried player like a Tim Parker um, has about half of his salary paid for in GAM. You know, 50% is a pretty decent number to ballpark. And so using that uh, plus or minus 10 or 15% to try to figure out how are we doing on our salary cap? How much GAM do we have left? How much TAM do we have left? So my estimates for where we're going after the expansion draft into uh, the re-entry, into free agency and the super draft are that we have around 1.2 million left on our salary cap. We have about 1.2 million in GAM left to spend, and we have around 970,000 in TAM to spend. So cumulatively, you know, you're looking at uh, quick math here, maybe around 400,000 or so total between the Garber Bucks and the salary cap uh, that we can spend on that three to five players. So if you're thinking, how does that average out between players? You can look at mechanisms like a young DP U22s, which only cost 200,000 to hit the salary cap. But you can also look at if we don't sign those players, then that 4 million-ish uh, combined between three to five players gives us a whole lot of wiggle room compared to where our expansion draft players were signed. This gives us the opportunity to really look at more high value, more experienced players in those positions of need we have. Now everybody's like thinking about all these numbers, but that's a great point, Matt. And um, so we don't really like the under 22 and the young DP, like we can use those slots for something else, right? Right now we can. So the whole idea is the young DP can take up that third DP slot and they only cost us 200,000 on our salary cap. Um, Regardless, the only way we don't get all three U22 slots is if we sign an old DP for our third slot, then they take they take some away. Um, as it is now, Lutz has mentioned he's not planning on signing another DP. I don't know if that encompasses a young DP because we've had a lot of conversations about looking to South America for a potential young DP. Like that, like Jordi Alcivar exists as a young DP who is available for us to select. We were wondering, you know, that could be perfect to slide in, in that spot. But a player like that who fits the system, I think, would provide that additional. Because if you're talking about four up to four slots that would only take up eight hundred thousand when you have four million available, like you're starting to get to, if you really leverage a couple other slots, you can spend big on one or two players. And it could be one of those that, when you use these mechanisms, is not really a DP, but it's really a, a player that has a high salary. And when you use Tam or Gam or Sam or any of those mechanisms. Yep. Uh, uh, you don't have yes, to make, Sam is not really a thing. I just you don't it. have to make it a DP. Yeah, and, and for perspective, in our expansion draft, um, Nico Giochini last year made around three hundred seventy thousand, and that was our high dollar spend. Um, if you, we can spend up to one point six million dollars on a player. Roman Berkey is making the TAM max, where he's not a DP. He's making $1.6 million. We're able to buy him down and fit him into our salary. That's the kind of player that we could be looking to for one of these slots. We have the money to spend. So it could make for a, a fun transfer window when the European transfer, foreign transfer windows open back up. Definitely could. January. Yep. Yeah, it'll be an interesting uh, next couple of weeks for sure. We have the... Uh... Or re-entry. Re-entry re draft, draft is coming up. Yep. Re -entry uh, and super then... draft. And then, of course, free agents once again so and the trade window is technically open now as we saw so i had a couple questions oh. of like when does the trade re trade window reopen 
And it was like, well, we traded with Houston. It opened the moment we finished that fifth pick. Yeah, I was uh, a little curious about that, too, because I thought it actually ended before it ended last draft. Wednesday. Yeah, the, it ended last Wednesday before the protected player list came out, and then it was closed until the end of the expansion draft. Okay. Okay. So it's open. I it's thought maybe open. it was like a, an exception okay. related to expansion draft or something like that. It's it, open it, yeah. to anybody. Right now, yes. Okay. At the end of the expansion draft, it opened. And now all of us are sitting here staring <laughs> off into space, thinking about wait, who else could we be trading for? Yeah. Everybody has a, a, a kind of far away look in their eye. <clears throat> Personally, I'd still like to see us get Jack Lynn as a backup forward who sees time between City 2 and the MLS team. Well, if you're looking to Orlando City uh, rumor mills, Jack Lynn is rumored to come our way for $50,000 in GAM. Yeah, I heard Stu say that last night, and yep. I got very excited because, yeah, so, St. Louis kid. More depth. You know, he, he hasn't gotten a great shake with Orlando. You figure, nope. you know, another chance here. Um, that kind of a deal, you know, add to the supplemental roster potentially, or even a, a really value add to the senior roster, gives you more flexibility. You know, ultimately, I'm looking to the center defensive mid and the right back as the biggest yeah. points of need, like we've said multiple times. So those two positions, along with depth elsewhere, um, and making sure that we keep in mind something has to fit the system and they're looking to youth. Roman mm -hmm. Berkey is the only person on our roster right now over the age of 30, and he's 31, and he's a goalkeeper. Tim Parker is the next oldest. He'll turn 30 by the time the season starts, and everybody else is 27, 28, or below. So look to that age range. Look to the style of play when you're thinking of who we might pick up. All right, so looking beyond that, uh, next week, of course, is the big friendly match to officially open City Park. It's going to be cold as all get out, but it's going to be a blast. The club is holding a that same day, a city kit pre-match celebration on Lou Fuse Plaza at City Park starting at noon on the day of the friendly Wednesday. The party before the party will give you a chance to pick up your pre-sale kit. And the way it was worded, how I read it, it seems you can purchase a kit even if you didn't pre-purchase it. You just won't be guaranteed that they have your size. And we don't want to get too far into kit speculation or that it'll add a whole other hour <laughs> yeah. of this podcast episode yeah. that nobody so, wants to hear us ramble on about. We'll, we'll, we need to have a special one afterwards to uh, to discuss what we think yeah. of the kits. So many thoughts on that already. But anyway, that is the thing, though, with the kits is that if the blind pre-order was to guarantee your size and yep. availability. And that is, yes. Yes. Uh, so at that pre-party, um, there will be food, drinks, live music. Should be fun. Um, and then the party party begins at 4, just one block north of the stadium, the St. Luligan's Tailgate Party on 21st Street, Luligan Street, next to Schlafly Tap Room. Schlafly will sell food and drinks, so be sure to stop by there before heading to the match or join with all the supporters as they make their march to the stadium at 6 p.m. The uh, the shoot boys were offering to buy beer for whoever shows up in a Jake LaCava jersey. Uh, <laughs> so... So whoever's got that uh, at home in your closet, bust that out and uh, and find one of them for a free beer. Yes. Can't every... imagine somebody that's had a worse week, <laughs> like immediately getting your favorite players somehow drafted and then ripped away. Just... If that person exists, I don't know. I'm just going to drop something super random, kind of semi-confirmed today. If you're just a Bundesliga fan in St. Louis, there's going to be something special. Oh. During the tailgate, Ash Laffley. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm saying it. Just saying it. Go for it. Oh, that's it. That's it. I, just something secret. Ooh. Keep watching oh, out for more info. Up. At this is Jake B. I like it. Mysterious. I love a good tease. 
So you're saying our jersey is actually like Lederhosen? Is that the reveal? <laughs> yes. Is that, is that what the big reveal is for the Bundesliga? I have no jersey inside info. Oh. He's got a good boycott Qatar sign ready for him <laughs> that's going through the Bundesliga stadiums. Just go to the party party. That's all you need to know. How can you not at this point? I mean, I'm not going to be able to sleep until then. By the time this episode's out, it's, the info is probably going to be out there, so oh, it's okay. all irrelevant. Oh, but. so this is just this is just messing with us at oh, this yeah. point. Okay, I'll tell you thanks. guys after. I would I would not expect. I mean, don't expect this the kit to be worn by the players on the field. By the way, We're, if this is City Two that's playing, the uh, City Two wears gray. That's their color. Um, I, somebody said last night. Uh, I can't remember if it was with the club or uh, somebody that. Uh, they confirmed, because I haven't confirmed, just speculated that uh, Leverkusen's only sending five or so players to the World Cup, um, but they are going to be traveling in the rest of their players. So this is their mm -hmm. one match that they have in the U.S. on their tour. So people who are kind of uh, expecting, you're wondering, are we going to see their two team, a second team, like uh, Academy guys? No, this is the Leverkusen team minus the few World World Cup players. Yeah, well, I mean, they're they, still in midseason, right? Yeah. This is yeah. not, You've you're stay not fit. watching them in June. You know. Yeah. Right. They're they're still fighting for a season. Yeah. yeah so with the exception of the players that already confirmed to go the, to the World Cup, um, he will be the first team and confirm it's uh, so far uh, Ezequiel Palacios for Argentina and uh, Freepunk for Netherlands. Um, there is a player that is probably go to Ecuador, but Ecuador is gonna wait until Monday to announce okay. the roster, but. Is is very uh, very likely that Piero Incapié is gonna go to a World Cup. There's also a, a player from Iran that Iran also hasn't announced the roster. But as you guys said, it's not it's not like preseason. These guys are in the middle of the season and they have a new coach and they are on a three game winning streak. He's basically starting to see, like starting to uh, get his playing system implemented so i think it'll be important for him to continue that streak and and give some minutes to the players and implement his system which is good for fans to see that level of competition it's a little interesting to think that they're going to be you know it's not a friendly preseason it's it's a friendly in midseason they're going to be trying to to stay in shape same formation they're going to be trying for this one it's not going to be uh let's sub in some some players at at halftime you know they're going to keep game type minutes in so it's going to be a challenge for city too yeah maybe second half we'll see a bunch of substitutions probably but, but i think probably. the first half will be competitive and we will see the first team guys and i would say on our end don't expect any of these guys from this week to no, be on there I, yeah. I mean it's the end of mls season the our city two guys even the guys on the main team that have been with city two they've all been training they just played in a friendly match. What was that last week? The week before? In Chicago, yeah. Yeah. So these guys are staying fit primarily for this reason. And then I I would imagine they're done. Our, our international players minus Rasmus Alm. Like yeah. the players who played for City 2 who are now healthy, Klaus and, and Berkey included, are going to play in this match we would expect. So the, I haven't heard of any injuries, but full complement of City 2 players that we were familiar with in this past season. Yeah. And maybe even some academy guys. Yeah. All right, so I believe that's it, guys. Um, Santiago, Baker, Jake, Michael, thanks so much for joining us. We had a blast. Hope you guys did as well. Uh, we'll definitely have to do this again. And for those City SC Report listeners, please remember to check out the Flyover Footy podcast. And Flyover Footy listeners, please remember to check out the City SC Report podcast as well as our social media pages. Joe, thanks again 
for uh, joining me, or I should say joining you this time. We did this at your house. Thank you, Joe. You're welcome. It's <laughs> glad to, uh, <laughs> glad you all could come. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Email us at cityscreport at gmail.com with any questions, concerns, etc. That's it, guys. Thanks for listening. Until next time. See everybody at uh, City Park this week. See you Wednesday. Bye-bye. Thank you.